Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And I am joined from the University of Minnesota, Mary Meyer. Good morning, Mary, on this first day of August. Good morning, Denny. Good to be with you again. It's a it's a beautiful morning, and uh, at least uh, our shrubs and plants and lawns are going to be getting a break from the hot weather. Looking at that forecast for this coming week, it's going to be kind of refreshing <laughs> for all of us, plants yeah. and uh, and us. Yes, that's true. We are in peak summer, so this is a time when gardeners are harvesting tomatoes and peppers. Some people are buried in zucchini. Imagine that, being buried in zucchini. <laughs> but uh, lots going on in the garden, certainly uh, peak time for gardeners. Well, let's invite our listeners to join in on the conversation. You know, we always get to very busy during our Smart Garden Show. So if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, call it in or text it in. Same number, 651-989-9226, 651 uh, and I think I noticed, too, that uh, at the Arboretum, I think things are opening up a little more. Are they not? Yes, that's right. As of just Friday, so Jan- July 31st, we had another Phase 3 opening of the Arboretum. So pretty much all of the grounds, as far as walking paths, uh, the gardens collections are open now for visitors. Uh, the parking lots uh, throughout Three Mile Drive are open. So lots more gardens are accessible at the Arboretum. And the first floor of the main uh, Oswald Visitor Center is also open. So you still need to reserve a ticket. So go online and you can reserve a ticket. But we have more tickets available than before. So it should be very easy for people to get a ticket go to the Arboretum, look at all the all the wonderful plants that are blooming, uh, roses, lilies. The annuals are really spectacular. The annual display shades of pink and red, just very, very bright and colorful. So great place to visit. It really is. It's going to be a nice weekend, too, uh, coming up, and a nice week, for that matter. All right. Uh, we call it a Smart Garden Show, and that means uh, your questions are directed at Mary for uh, your lawn and garden questions. In fact, let's go to the phones first, Mary. I think uh, Ron is calling in from Minneapolis first up here. Ron, what's your question for Mary? Good morning, Mary. Um, a few years ago, I bought. Uh, I went to a, a garden club sale, and I bought a couple small flocks plants. And I didn't know much about them. And they've become two of my favorites. 
but I've got a couple of questions about them. They're just beautiful blooms, but is it they're they've been losing the the blooms now in the last few days, and I wonder if what if I'm doing something wrong that I'd like them to, to last longer and are they going to be easy to transplant? I'd like to move them around and, and uh, put them other places. Yes. Uh, flocks are very easy to transplant, Ron. Most of, many of the flocks, especially the larger paniculata, the one that is uh, three to four feet tall, that flock has a tendency to self-seed. So sometimes you don't need to transplant it because it will start growing in different places in your garden, but it won't necessarily be the same color as the original plants that you put in. But yes, you can transplant flocks. Usually it's in the springtime, just as it starts to grow is the best time to transplant it. Um, But as far as the blooms not lasting as long, Sometimes that is really affected by the heat, the amount of heat that we get. Uh, Most flowers would like cooler temperatures in order for the blossoms to last a long time. But flocks should flower. New flowers should continue to come on that for at least uh, two weeks, I would say. Okay. A texter says this, Mary. I bought a uh, Meyer lemon tree last November. It has 10 tiny lemons growing. I read somewhere that I should remove the lemons on such a young plant. Hard to do, but I will if necessary. What do you think? Uh, I would not take any of those off. Uh, I think they will probably uh, drop off the ones they cannot support. So 10 is quite a lot. Uh, normally, you will have two or three that will be on a plant that will grow and uh uh, mature to yellow fruit, but you might at the same time have a blossom and you also might have a small green lemon as well. So those evergreen citrus tend to have everything at once. They have flowers, they have young fruit, and they have almost mature fruit. But I would let the tree make its own decision. It will drop the lemons if it can't support them. Yeah, we have that same issue on our deck. Uh, Sandy and I were just talking about that yesterday. Uh, we have at least 10 pretty good-sized green lemons. And we were wondering, boy, those branches don't look very strong to, to hold that. So, uh, but but you're, you're thinking just let the tree decide on what to do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's amazing the number of fruit those little lemons can produce. And if they if there's not enough carbohydrates to form the lemons, they will abort. They will just uh, come off on their own. But it it seems to be they get to a point. Uh, if they get fairly large, they're they're good to go. They're going to hang on there and come on. But uh, yeah, usually they can. That tree can figure it out. All right. Let's go back to the phones before we take a break. Uh, Bernie, I believe, is calling from Plymouth, Minnesota. Bernie, you are on with Mary Meyer. Hi, Bernie. So I'm not a great gardener, but I, last week I, I think I did myself. I planted a hydrangea in the garden at uh, about 8 in the morning. By 7 that night, it was already dead. I'm wondering what I did wrong. <laughs> hey, Bernie, I would not attribute this to you. I would say there was something going on here with this plant uh, other than the fact that it may have been an animal if something came and decided to eat the bark or something or did something like that. 
But uh, in, for a plant to die that quickly, there has to be really something else uh, going on there. So I would re- I would do a lot of inspection on the hydrangea, especially the base near the where the stems go into the ground, see if something ate at it or uh, took the bark off of it, something like that. Otherwise, I would uh, really talk to where you bought it. Um, I, if hopefully you still have your receipt, but I would talk to the uh, nursery about uh, possibly replacing that. That's, uh, yeah, there's something else going on there. Mo- my guess is some type of an animal cut it or ate it. All right. 651-989-9226 is the phone number. It's also the text number. And Mary Myers with us from the University of Minnesota answering your lawn and garden questions. And we'll take this a quick break, but back on the other side. So if you have a question, call it in or text it in here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here, joined by Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, answering your lawn and garden questions. Well, as usual, Mary, we have a bunch of callers and a bunch of text messages as well. We'll uh, let's let's take care of as many as we can. This text before we get to the phone says how to get rid of white clover from our lawn. Oh, I actually don't want to get rid of the white clover from my lawn. Uh, That is a great pollinator plant. And actually, we have more and more calls now asking how to uh, how to uh, establish white clover in people's lawns. Well, white clover will be killed with the broadleaf weed killers. But you need to apply it two or three times, and you need to use a weed killer that has more than one active ingredient. So you have to read the label for to make sure it's got two or three combination of active ingredients. Often it will list white clover on the label as something it will control. But it is much more of a persistent uh uh, plant and uh, it has a great root system that uh, it takes quite a bit of herbicide to kill it. So it does fix nitrogen in the soil. It makes nitrogen available to our lawn grass and then it's also a great pollinator plant. So I would think twice about uh, controlling all of it. I agree. All right, very good. Let's go back to the phones, and then we'll get some more text messages. I think Anne is calling in from Edina this morning. Anne, you're on with Mary. Hello, Anne. Anne is not there. Go ahead, Anne. Oh, Karen. Okay, go ahead, please. Karen. Um, My question... Hi. My question is uh, regarding the Japanese beetles. A neighbor of mine said that you they front once they go from the vegetation they go to the lawn to lay their eggs and he said that um, you need to put in some kind of a grub repellent stuff but when I read reviews online uh, the majority of people said that they didn't see that it did any good just wondered what your thoughts are yes um, that's right um, the life cycle of the Japanese beetle is they are laying, the adults are laying eggs in the ground now. And you can actually see that. If, if you go to a golf course, I was on a golf course recently and I saw a lot of beetles on the ground. Uh, and that's what they were doing. They were laying their eggs in the turf area. They like certain soil types and they like grass. 
to lay their eggs in. Now, unless you've actually seen that happening on your lawn, that's why a lot of reviews say it's not worth it. Because if you don't have the insects really laying eggs on your lawn, there isn't any point in putting all of that uh, insecticide down on your lawn. So it's usually the best grass conditions where we find Japanese beetles are uh, laying their eggs in the lawn. So uh, for for most homeowners, controlling the adults and uh, handpicking the adults or using exclusion techniques to get rid of them, that's really what we recommend. So I, I would not use uh, the insecticide on your lawn unless you have real evidence that that is they're actually laying eggs there. All right. Uh, Mary, here's a text that says, uh, does one ever trim back a carpet rose? Mine always grows on the previous year's stems and does well. Uh, this texture is just curious. You really don't have to do pruning on some of the, the carpet roses. Those They get their name because of how they grow in a kind of a low-growing, spreading manner. Uh, you don't have to really do any pruning on those. You might want to cut back some of the dead stems. Usually in Minnesota, we see some dead stems in, on our roses in the spring, and you can take those off. A vigorous plant will outgrow and cover up a lot of dead stems. So you don't really have to do pruning unless you see a lot of dead, dead uh, stems there. Okay. Back to the phones we go. I think Chris is calling from St. Louis Park this morning. Chris, you're on with Mary. Good morning. Um, I have, or we have about 100 feet of lilacs. This year our lilacs are turning brown and the leaves are falling off. Uh, I was just curious as to what this might be. My guess is that's to do with the weather conditions that we have had. Uh, lilacs really do not like hot, hot weather. And the hotter, hot conditions that we've had, especially in some areas where it's been dry, they may have put out more leaves in the spring than they could support. And so we see some of those leaves start up now. So I would not, I would not worry about that. Uh, I think lilacs uh, as a whole are quite tough plants. If you find it's very dry there and you haven't been getting water because it's been quite spotty and erratic around the state this uh, summer, you could put on additional water. Okay. Uh, this text says uh, this, Mary, I have about a 10 by 10 foot area of brown grass on my front lawn. The rest of the grass is green. What should I be checking for? Well, that's interesting. Uh, so I would, um, yeah, what's, what's going on there? So I dig around a little. I actually would get a shovel and see if the roots are dead on the grass, try to dig up or pull on the grass and see if the roots are still there, if it's just the top that is dead, or what's going on with that. It might be a particular type of grass, like uh, annual bluegrass that has died out because of the heat of the summer. So if it's just a specific type of grass, um, you might consider reseeding, and we're getting into our prime time to reseed grass the middle of August. And I consider using something like a fine fescue or a combination of two or three kinds of lawn grass 
typically a Kentucky fest or Kentucky bluegrass, uh, the fine fescues, and then perennial ryegrass. Um, so, but I would dig around see if there is the is it a really wet area? Is it a really dry area? If it's dry, the fescues do better in dry conditions. All right. Well, we need to take a break. A reminder to our listeners, Mary, that we have about another half hour of the show to go. If you did not get your question answered, the first one, uh, give us a shout or uh, send a text, 651-989-9226. And good morning. Welcome back on this first day of August to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. And as usual, Mary, we have callers, we have textures to help out. I wanted to ask you, though, uh, about the, we're hearing this seeing this on the news all over the place about these mystery seeds that uh, end up in people's mails. What what have you heard about that? Yes, Denny, this is something that just started happening this summer. In fact, in Minnesota, the Department of Agriculture in Minnesota now has over 700 reports of people that have received these um, seeds, unsolicited seed packets in the mail. So if you are one of these people or you get one of these packets in the mail, you should call the Arrest the Pest hotline. So this is a hotline that the Department of Agriculture has, and they would like to, to get the seeds from you to, so they could try to figure out where they're coming from. Now, so far, none of these seeds have been harmful. They are things like uh, zinnias, our common flowers, or cabbage, or uh really common bean plants and so on. So there's quite a variety of seeds. None of them have been harmful. Uh, but the Department of Ag is encouraging people not to plant the seeds uh, and don't put them in your backyard. Just call the Arrest the Pest hotline, and then uh, they will tell you what to do with the seed. They're really collecting them and trying to determine where they're from and why people are getting them. So, so far, really harmless. But uh, we certainly do not want this to be a source of an invasive pest or invasive plants. Yes, so don't even throw them out in your backyard or wherever. Just just hang no. on to them and get a hold of the yes. department. Yeah. Right. Get don't, a hold of the Department of Agriculture. Yeah. Right. Yeah, very good. Thanks, Mary, for that. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's go back to the phones, and then we'll grab some text messages. I think Jerry is calling in from Owatonna, Minnesota today. Jerry, thanks for waiting. What's your question? Uh, good morning. Say, I have a question about Asian lilies. Uh, the flowers are spent on my Asian lilies, and I'm wondering what is the best time to transplant Asian lilies? Sure. Terry, I was just thinking about doing this in my own garden. So you can do this. Um, there's quite a bit of time period that's okay with Asian lilies. After their flowers are done in uh, late summer, early fall is a, is a time when lots of people do transplant, divide uh, the Asian lilies. So you can do it now once the flowering is done. The thing that's tough with a lily bulb is uh, it's hard to locate that lily bulb sometimes. And if you just dig where you think the, the, the base of the plant is, the stem is going in the ground, the lily bulb might be a foot or two away from that. It's So I would encourage you to just very carefully dig because it's easy to cut the bulb with a shovel. So some people use a spading fork when they're doing that. And then um, 
you try to keep as many roots as possible with a lily bulb, but a lot of it is the bulb itself. So if you, it, it will stick onto that stem and then you pick the whole thing up with the, with the big lily bulb and the stem, and then you can uh, plant that in another location. Or if it's increased to three or four stems, you want to gently pull those apart and space them out when you replant them. A couple of lawn questions have come in, uh, Mary, as well. Uh, this one says, uh, receded a couple of areas in the lawn and nothing but crabgrass grew. Uh, should that be mowed? Or what, 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 what do you think this uh, texture should do with that area? Yeah, this is a tough time of year for crabgrass uh, because we don't want that to go to seed because crabgrass is an annual. And those seeds that were dormant there in that area uh, yeah, they sprouted and came up probably with a moisture that was put on. Uh, but if those crabgrass plants go to seed now, then you're going to have more and more of a problem. It is hard to control the mature uh, or the uh, crabgrass once it's germinated. So the plants are hard to control. The seed is easier. So that's why we recommend a pre-emergent crabgrass control about the middle of May. This time of year, I would try to remove as much of that crabgrass as you can, and I would think about reseeding again with, um, you know, the fine fescue, perennial rye, or Kentucky bluegrass. Okay, very good. Back to the phones we go. I think Peter's been waiting there in Brooklyn Park to ask you a question. Peter, what is your question for Mary? Yeah, my question is um, I have two uh, lilac bushes, actually now one, that are about 25 years old. And over the last number of years, they have become more and more sickly to the point that one of them has died and the other one is looking like it's on the same track. They're very large, white lilacs. I mean, lived in our house for 12 years and they it's only in the last three years that they've started, you know, every year looking more and more sickly. I, I haven't been able to find anybody that has a clue as to what causes would cause them to expire like that. Well, Peter, the only thing I can think of is that there is a there is a uh, a fungal disease that lilacs will get. And it can kill a lilac. It's, it actually starts along the base of the, the, the stem. So along the main stem, it will get a canker or a fungal disease that will eat away at it. And that can kill large branches of lilac. There's not really a cure for that. Um, and, and that sickly look is kind of the first indication of that. Uh, I actually had that happen to a lilac on my property. I ended up taking out the lilac. I planted a pagoda dogwood there and something different. Uh, but then there are other lilacs not far from me, and they're doing fine. So I would really examine the stem and see if you can find any of these cankers or just lesions. It's just like a half-dead stem that's there. Uh, if it continues to decline, yeah, I would just 
uh, get rid of it and plant something else. You can always take pictures of it and kind of the half dead, half alive area. You can send pictures to our Ask a Master Gardener online uh, answering service. And uh, with a picture, they might have uh, another recommendation. Okay. There's a text, Mary. It says uh, we have... uh several large bare areas in our yard, and I know you mentioned this earlier about our prime time to seed, uh, that need to be either seeded or have sod, Texter says. Some are on a hill. Now the question is, is sod or seed better this time of year, and what is hydro seeding? Yeah, sod or seed, uh, either either of those are good methods. I, I tend to like uh, seed uh, myself, uh, especially when we're getting into this prime area for seeding, the weather is getting cooler. Uh, there's more moisture. Uh, we tend to have more moisture come once we get past the heat uh, of the summer. And a seed can take a month or two to establish. It's a little slower. Sod is very quick. You just have to make sure that you have the water on that and that it's not real hot until you get it um, actually laid. Uh, If it's on a hill, you have to really uh, be concerned about erosion or washing. So hydro-seeding is um, blowing out seed and moisture and sometimes mulch as well to coat an area. We see that especially done along roadsides, uh, steep banks and so on, usually large areas. Hydro seeding is great uh, and uh, can really work. But that seed with uh, components that's going to help keep that area uh, moist until it actually germinates. Okay. Back to the phones before we take a break. I think Ron is uh, waiting there in Robbinsdale to ask you a question. Thanks, Ron. What is your question? I got Miss Kim's double-blooming lilacs. And they bloomed this spring, and now they're, they got some flowers on them. Now, when is the best time to trim them? So, this, yeah, Miss Kim is a wonderful, fragrant uh, lilac. And the best time to uh, bloom that, to, bloom, to prune that, is right after it flowers. So as soon as it's done flowering is when you should do the pruning. Um, there, there might be a few blooms that are still on it now, but this is getting late. Uh, usually in July, believe it or not, in July is when a lot of lilacs will set their flower buds for next year. So you could prune off flower buds if you do it right now. So the time to do it is more like Memorial Day, once uh, in back in May, just as they finish blooming. All right, very good. Uh, Mary, we need to take a quick break here, but on the other side, we'll get back to the phones and the text messages here on our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your phone calls and text messages here on News Talk 830 WCCO. On this August 1st, first day of August here on a Saturday morning on CCO Radio, Danny along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, talking lawns and gardens like we always do in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, we still have callers and texters, Mary, so let's uh, let's get to it. I think Joan is next up here uh, calling from Mendota Heights. Uh, thank you, Joan. What is your question for Mary? Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. I have mm-hmm. uh, a Techni Arbor Vitae 
which is about eight to 10 years old. And this summer it has developed uh, large areas of brown spots on it. And I'm wondering what my problem is. Oh, uh, Joan, yeah, that's, that is a, a tough, tough thing to uh, determine. Uh, Tecting arborvitae is a really a tough plant. I recommend that a lot. Great for screens, grows quickly, doesn't have very many pests. I'm not sure what's causing large brown spots on your plant. The best thing to do is take a picture of that uh, from afar, the whole plant. And then if you can take a picture of a half brown, half green uh, section of it, and then send that to Ask a Master Gardener. That It's tough to figure that out. Uh, they're old enough. They sound like they're well-established. If it was a new plant, I would say it's probably not getting enough water or with the hot weather it caused it. But um, without seeing more uh, pictures of it, I can't tell you what's wrong. Sorry. You know, let's mention that extension website again, Mary. I think I uh, haven't done that uh, yet. Yes, uh, we have. It's a great resource. Yes. It's a wonderful resource, uh, extension.umn.edu. Uh, you could go on that, Joan. You could see, uh, you can go to Arborvitae or Evergreens, and you'll see pictures of what's wrong with my plant. And you might be able to match a picture there with what's wrong. Uh, I guess there's an outside chance there might be something that's eating the stem of it inside the plant, causing a brown section of it. Uh, if that's the case, you'd see a lot of damage on that stem uh, on the inside. But what weed is this? What insect is this? What's wrong with my plant? All that uh, you can find at extension.umn.edu and then click on uh, yard and garden or garden. And then uh, the link is there also for Ask a Master Gardener, where you can uh, email and uh, send in a picture of your plant. Very good. Here's a text to Mary. It says, I would like to redo and rearrange my garden this fall. Is this an okay time to do this without killing the perennials? Uh, many of plants you can do division now and into the fall. Peonies and iris, lilies, hosta, daylily, those are all tough perennials you can uh, dig and divide now. We usually have the rule of thumb that if it flowers in the spring, you divide it in the fall. If it flowers in the fall, you divide it in the spring. So uh, things that are flowering now, uh, phlox, that's usually a pretty tough uh, flower. Uh, once we get into the asters and uh, a lot of the uh, prairie plants that are flowering, they would do better with a spring uh, division. But uh, if you have established plants and the time is best for you, uh, a lot of those you can do right now in the fall. Okay. This texture says I'm picking red tomatoes from my beef feeder plant, but they're pretty small. What do you think is going on? Gosh, uh, yeah, beef feeder is known to be uh, one of those large tomatoes, uh, almost a beef steak type of tomato. That's some of the largest ones that we have. Um, if they remain small the whole time, uh, it may have been mislabeled in the garden center, and you, you might have a different variety than really what it is. 
but if the plant is large and lush and looks like the plant is big and should be no problem, I, I would uh, think that uh, it's, it's mislabeled. Uh, sometimes if it doesn't get enough water and nutrients, a variety can be small simply because the growing conditions aren't good. But if growing conditions are good, the plant is big, I, I would say it's probably been mislabeled and not uh, a beef eater. Aha. Uh-huh. We were talking about lemon trees earlier in the show, and this texture says, does your advice on those lemon trees also apply to apple trees? Texture says, I have a Harrelson apple tree that's very productive. The branches tend to bend under the weight of the apples. I've been told that I should pick up to half of the smaller apples to prevent the branches from breaking. Do you agree? Well, with an apple tree, it's a different story. Um, Apple trees will often go into this biennial bearing, so every other year they can have a big crop, and nobody really likes that. We'd like to have a decent crop every year. Um, This year seems to be a wonderful year for fruit set on uh, apples, and if you thin some of your crop right now, uh, you can do that, and that will save your branches from breaking. Uh, trees will often, uh, sometimes they'll thin their own crop, but this late in the year, if you get a big, heavy fruit set this late in the year, that tree's probably not going to set as much fruit next year. It's really too late to do thinning to alter the fruit set, but you can do thinning to keep the branches from breaking. Uh, it really depends. They might uh, they might be okay and they might not be. So uh, sometimes growers will prop up a branch or two uh, and put a prop on there to keep uh, to help uh, hold it up. Okay. Now this texture says, I have a Coreopsis moonbeam with white powdery mildew on most plants. Is this detrimental to the plant? Uh Powdery mildew will not kill your plant, but yes, it can certainly make it look uh, strange because it's got this white powder all over it. The uh, high humidity will help to increase powdery mildew, and those really warm nights that we have had have been uh, difficult for diseases, leaf diseases like powdery mildew. They that Those Diseases like the the warm nights that we have had. If there's any way you can improve the air circulation around the plants, if there is a mass of six or eight of them, you could consider taking out one or two so they have better air circulation. But powdery mildew is not fatal, so it won't kill your plant. Good. Texter says, when is the best time to transplant an azalea? Uh, azalea, interesting. So most azaleas, uh, if you've got one growing, it's probably one that's a Northern Light series. These are developed specifically for our colder growing conditions. Um, you could, I, I, to be really safe, I would do that in the spring. Even though the flowering is in the springtime, uh, you need that plant to get well established before the winter. Uh, you might be able to get by with it right now. Uh, you need to get as much soil as possible around the roots. 
and then make sure you have the hole prepared before you start digging the plant so you can transition it in there and keep it well watered. So spring or fall, you're going to need to keep that well watered for the first season after you transplant it. Mary, we have a minute to go. What would you suggest to our listeners with these mystery seeds? What should they do? Uh, not Don't plant them. Right. Don't plant those mystery seeds. And there is a uh, link on the Department of Ag's website. If you just put in Minnesota Department of Agriculture mystery seeds or unsolicited mailed seeds, there's a form that you actually can fill out and send that into the Department of Ag. They will ask you some questions. They want to know what you have, uh, who's received those seeds. It actually seems like there might be some link to people who have ordered seeds in the past year or so. These appear to be the same people that are getting seeds in the mail. But, yeah, tell the Department of Ag about that. And, uh, yes, because then don't plant the seeds on your garden. Very good. We have to run. Thanks, Mary. We'll talk to you real soon on the next Smart Garden Show. Mary Meyer. Always a pleasure, Danny. (laughs) Thanks, Mary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.